All right, Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8, we'll pick up with the church in Smyrna. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I didn't know how the preaching of Revelation would go, and I had been praying and seeking and praying and seeking, and the Lord was, was doing this work in my heart that I felt like he wanted me to preach through this entire book. And I was hesitant to do that because, I think because of the flesh, because the flesh says, and church culture, especially Western church culture, American church culture says that kind of stuff won't work because you need gimmicks and, and videos and topical stuff. And I don't have necessarily a problem with topical stuff. We've done topical stuff here before. But the, the, the lie is, and the whisper is, is that just Bible won't work anymore, that you've got to have some type of twist on it or some cool idea or some, something like that. And so, I mean, we, we may very well be in one book, the book of Revelation, for over a year and a half. Um, and so I was wondering, I was like, Lord, you know, how's this, how's this going to go? Will the people get bored? Uh, but the Lord, he really kind of settled my heart on that and said, look, if the people get bored when you're preaching the word of God, then the problems are the people, not with the word. So, uh, you know, all of God's word is essentially saying and pointing in the same direction. That's the Lord Jesus Christ in his redemptive work to glorify the Father in heaven by saving sinful men down here. So, I, I I am now at a place where I'm just like, you know, it really, in in many ways, it really doesn't matter. The Word of God is the Word of God, and we we preach it, and God is faithful to do and say exactly what He wants to do and say, and He'll move into people's hearts, and, and I, I kind of go back and forth on this because when you preach the Word of God, there's a specific meaning in that text that needs to come across and be accepted in a specific way by the believer, which was intended by the author and by God through that author. But at the same time, I can't tell you the, the amount of times that I've preached the message and the intent of the message was one thing, but a person will come up to me and say, the Lord Jesus Christ really said this to me and it's absolutely changed my life. And it had nothing to do with all I was preaching on or what the text was really about. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Okay, you know, but they're glorifying their father in heaven and 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 Paul says look if they're glorifying Christ they're teaching Christ leave them alone So here I am. I'm in chapter two. We've been doing this for many weeks now already. So We've just uh, I've just come to the conclusion I'm just gonna preach God's word and let the chips fall where they may and just trust him to do what he's gonna do So but I tell you it's been a very exciting book to me I have learned more and I will go ahead and admit and confess this is that I never really put a lot of time into studying revelation And the reason being is that I was really afraid of it I was afraid that I wouldn't know how to interpret or understand the book and that you know There's so many crazy stories crazy things and interpretations surrounding the book that I thought, man, this is the one eschatology. That's that one subject where I'm like, I just really don't know and hardly care. And, and, and I don't think that's okay is to say, well, this book doesn't really matter. It's a part of the canon as well. And so I've come to have a deep appreciation for the book of Revelation, maybe as deep as any other book that I've ever uh, learned from, because it has forced me to, in order to gain con contextual meaning, in order to understand the book for, for what it was meant to, to teach and to, uh, to mean, is that I've been forced to really study the rest of the scriptures, in particular the Old Testament. Many uh, of the books in the Old 
Testament, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, so many of these, Zechariah, I've been forced to go and, and reread all of these and understand what they meant so that I might understand what this meant. So I have absolutely gained an appreciation for the book of Revelation. And it's nothing like what I thought it was going to be. All the crazy, silly, fleshly hype surrounding this book and Apache helicopters and all that kind of stuff, I think that is an attack from the enemy trying to keep you from reading the Bible. That's just all, that's what I believe. And, and now I'm excited to be in here, and I have found, and let me ask you, have you not found that this book, though, it, though it's a lot of the times made to seem like it's way out there and it doesn't apply to us, and it's just, it's just too much for our understanding, has it not been amazingly applicable has it not been amazingly practical to our lives, to our church, and to us as individual believers? Has it not been? I'll tell you, the Lord has really blessed me through this book. And so I'm excited to get into the second church now that John uh, had written to and uh, see what he has to say to this church and, and what that means and how it applies to us. So let's do that. Let's uh, stand for the reading of God's holy word. <clears throat> can you flip these screens around up here so I can have a, a clock, if you would? <clears throat> Let's read God's word. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw, you, throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Did you hear that? Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Before I go any further, let me, let me pray and ask the Lord to bless. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would bless the, uh, the reading and the hearing of your word, the preaching and teaching of your word, and the, uh, the hearing, God. I pray that you would bless these ears in this room, God, that they would have ears to hear and bless their eyes, that they would have eyes to see exactly what you are teaching and, and exactly what you are establishing in your text. We pray it all in Christ's name that he might be exalted. Amen. So we're looking at uh, Revelation chapter 2. This is the church of Smyrna, the church in Smyrna. And this church was uh, not an extremely large church, but it was a faithful church. This church is one of the only churches uh, that has nothing negative said about the church. So this was a, a faithful church. It was a church unlike many churches in that day that, that, that did not compromise. They had not lost their first love. They were hot on the trail of Christ, pursuing him, loving him, being a person persecuted for him, and they did not see that persecution as a reason to abandon their Lord and Savior. They did not see it as a reason to abandon their faith, but they saw it all the more as a reason to press into Christ and be transformed and sustained by him. Now, I want to ask a couple of questions to you as individuals, and I don't want to see anybody ramming their neighbor like that. I want to ask you questions, and I want you to answer them uh, accurately and honestly to yourself. Let me ask you this. Does your faith, does it cost you anything? Does your faith cost you anything? This is for individual answering. Does your faith, it's 
express itself in such a way that it is visible and apparent to everyone. And therefore, you experience some form of persecution, some form of attack on your person or on your family. Is your faith evidenced by the things that you do, by the things that you say, and by the person that you are? In other words, is your faith apparent to everyone around you? And does it cost you? This is a true and legitimate question and is part of the testing by which we would know that we are people of faith. If no one knows you're a Christian or if everyone understands you to be the same type of cultural Christian that exists all around us, they say one thing with their mouth, but their actions prove completely different, then I would question your actual and literal and and real salvation. You say, Brandon, you sure do question and judge a lot. That's my job. I don't want you to stand before the Lord and say, we did all these things. And he's like, yeah, but what was your name again? Why would I start out by asking that question? Why would I start out by asking all of you if the faith that you have is visible to the outside world in such a way that it causes reactions in the outside world? Because the darkness hates the light. Now, I'm not saying that you should go around seeking persecution. There are those people. I'm not saying that you should go around just antagonizing people with your faith and being an idiot so that you could get whipped or beat up or persecuted so that you can say, I'm being persecuted, I'm being persecuted. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But does your genuine love for the Lord Jesus Christ come out in all kinds of, kinds of situations Does it do so to the degree that people look at you and say, that's just stupid? I'll give you a couple of examples. I won't use names. I know one guy who uh, has been uh, convicted or has uh, been convinced by the Spirit, I believe. I've talked to him. I understand uh, his, his story fairly well who has been uh, convicted and convinced by the Spirit that he is to give in such a way that he gives 10% off of the gross of everything that comes into contact with him in life. Now, we've preached at length on money here, and you understand what I understand about the tithe and that principle and that it was a, a bare minimum. And everybody's like, we're not under the tithe anymore. We're not under the tithe anymore. Yeah, sure, you're not. It's way down here, and you should be way up here. That's another sermon for another day. But this man I'm speaking of has been convinced in his heart, and and he's tried his best to be faithful to give 10% of anything that would come into into contact with him. So if if it's, that's before he pays the government, that's before he pays for groceries, that's before he pays anything else. And I know that this man has been called an idiot. Been called foolish. That's just stupid. Why would you do that? He's been, he's been really railed against because he's hurting his children because he could be saving that money. You just need to give off of the net. You just need to give off of the net. But this is what God's called the man to do. Another situation in my own life here recently is this truck, and, and people just look at me like I'm stupid because I would want to forgive the guy about this truck. Listen, my, I'm not, my flesh wants to, to punch the guy in the face many times over. 
and continue to do so until a law officer pulls me off. But I am bound. I am bound by what? Love. I can't. I can't. Now, if the Lord was releasing me for just a little while. But I can't. I'm bound. Let me ask you, does your faith lead you to the cross? Not to the cross for salvation, but to the cross for persecution. Yes. You see, Jesus teaches us to take up our cross. And everybody knows the man walking through the village with the cross on his back is going to get persecuted. That's what the cross is for. We must suffer with him in order to be glorified with him. Listen to the text. It says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Now, we're going to see that they're going to be experiencing this because it's a guaranteed proposition. It's a guaranteed situation that he says, when it comes, you're about to be tested. It's coming. It's coming for you, boy. You ready? You ready? You ready? I know you ready. Are you ready? Because it's coming. What will sustain? Here's what will sustain. Now, remember the formula. Remember the, the, the way that the book is structured and the introduction. And, and, and in every church, the description comes out of the vision that we've already seen in, in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, when he sees Jesus Christ, he says multiple, multiple things uh, and attributes of the vision of Christ. But every one of those can be found in the letters to the churches. And as we see the introduction to the churches, the attributes of Christ that are listed in this introduction or in this greeting will be the very same attributes that will be needed in order to, or in order to carry them through whatever trial or whatever situation is coming. Namely, this is that Jesus Christ can handle and has handled and is that uh, person or that sustenance or that, that truth, that reality that we need in order to carry us through whatever trial may come our way in any facet of life facet of life, anything that we're going to go through. And we go through all types of different things, don't we? We go through uh, sins that's been committed against us. We go through sins that we've committed. We go through uh, 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 depressions. We go through doubt. We go through seasons of just wondering and, and dryness. And, and Lord, where are you at? I, I thought I've been, I've, I've been faithful, but, but, but I don't feel you. I don't see you. Where are you? And we remember that, but that, that he was faithless, even though he experienced separation from the Father. Before he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here we see how Christ is that thing, that, that one that can, that can sustain them in the trials that they are about to go through. And I say this to you, you if you're in a trial or you're going to, uh, uh, you're going to go through a trial uh, soon, comparatively speaking. And I say this to you, just like I said last week, and I'll repeat it every week, is that Jesus Christ is the one you need to carry you through whatever it is that's coming or is upon you. He is the one. 
Here, their struggle is the tribulation that's about to come. It says, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Now, remember that because the first the, and the last, the one who encompasses all of time, he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's nothing that escapes his understanding or his hand. So what this means is a, is a variety of things, but one thing I want to point out is if he is the first and the last, that means that everything in between the beginning and everything in between the end, everything in this middle part right here, he knows about and has even foreordained before the foundations of the world. You say, does that mean God sins? No, may it never be. But in all the sinning, God is purposefully using the acts of sinful men and women that was meant to hurt us to actually work out for his glory and our good. So you can smile at the face of death and say, bring it. Come with it, son. You can't take this away from me. It will hurt. It will be painful, but my God will sustain through the pain. Amen? And it is through this suffering that our witness and our evangelism is the hottest and the brightest and the most apparent and the most effective. The church was built on the back of the martyrs. We could say more about that, but... But it doesn't feel that way when it's happening, does it? It's not like, oh, evangelism, yes. <laughs> no, it looks more like the Psalms. And it looks more like Job where we're, we're, we're collapsed on the ground in, in a pile of ashes scraping our skin. Why? Why? And then when the Lord, he carries us through by the hair of our chinny chin chin. Right, Zach? That's just between me and him. <laughs> when, the Lord, when the Lord carries us through and we're on the edge and we're about to fall and we're going, Lord, Lord, and we're about to fall and we're about to fall. And he goes, I got you. I got you. Then the world goes, wow. Wow. Or those of us, those of you, those of, uh, of believers who, who, who take it on the chin and they say, like Daniel, they said, even if he doesn't deliver, I won't bow down. My God is able to deliver, but if he don't, death is only the, the grandest healing of all time for the believer. Bring it. Let me all see you do that. I want to see that. Bring it. Come on, Levi, come on. Like this. You got to get that look on your face too. Bring it. <laughs> bring it. Not on our own strength. Not on our strength. We'd be crazy to do that on our own strength, right? You're like, you crazy, man. I want you to see what he says here. I think this is just amazing. And, I, and, and every word matters. Every word matters. I wish I was more fluent in the Greek than I am. I can do enough to get me by, but I'm not as good as I, might, uh, as I would like to be. But, but, but I do see here that there's a distinction in this 
uh, beginning of this letter and the one right after it than, it, than all the other letters. And it looks like this. <clears throat> he says to the to church in Smyrna, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich in the slander of those who say that they're Jews and are not. I want you to see just one word that is missing, that is not there in uh, several of the other churches. Well, actually, it's in five of the other churches and not in two. <clears throat> he says here, he says, I know your tribulation. What, other, what word is missing that was in the other churches? He, the other churches, he says, I know your works, trials, your, 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 your circumstances. I know your works. I know what you're doing. Here he doesn't say that. He says, I know your tribulation. Now, you think that's an accident? Is there accidents in God's word? Does every word matter? Does every word matter? Every word matter. And the absence of a word matters too, I think, in this situation. Because I think that what the Lord Jesus is saying here through John is saying is that I have been there. I know your tribulation. I know what you're going through. I know what it is to be without. And he names it specifically. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those, I'll come back to the you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not. You see, Jesus is saying here, I know your tribulation. Why? Why? Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, who is unable to, 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 to know what we're going through and to feel what we're going through. But we have a high priest who, is, who has suffered and who has been tempted in every way, just like us, yet he did not sin. You see, he understands. He knows what it is you're going through. To all the people in the room, you've got sins that are being committed against you. I want you to grab hold of this. If you're not listening, you're on your phone, you're in your head, whatever, I want you to stop that right now and pay attention for just a second. Everybody right here. I know you think you're on an island. I know you think you're on an island in your struggle. I know that you think you're the only one that knows what it feels like. I know, and... and, and uh, According to the other people in the room, you may be. I counsel people all the time, and they say things to me like, you don't know what I'm going through. And many times I don't. Many times I don't. I've not, I've not walked that road. But every time I can say, no, I don't, but the Lord Jesus does. He knows your tribulation. He knows your struggle. And not only does he know about it, but he walked through it. He walked through it. You know what that means? One, he conquered it. Two, he knows your pain. Three, he can help you to get through what you're going through and the pain that you're feeling so that you will come out on the other side, not only having survived it, but having used it to the glory of God. You see, suffering is horrible. Suffering without purpose is suicidal. But suffering with purpose is understandable and useful. I know your tribulation. Amber, he knows your tribulation. Adam, he knows your tribulation. He knows mine. I know your tribulation. And he spoke to the specific problem that was in Smyrna. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, this, 
automatically makes me think of a specific instance in Jesus Christ's life where he, were, he was dealing with these Jews who were Jews ethnically only, but they were not true Jews. They were not those of faith. They were not true children of the promise of Abraham, who we have seen time and time and time again. Galatians, uh, Romans, the book here in Revelations, we have seen this, this continual picture of it is not the children of, 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 of the flesh that are children of the promise are children of God, but it is those who are children of the promise that are children of God. So we've got all these religious people who look a certain way, and they, they were ethnic Jews. Let's not get that wrong. They were ethnic Jews. Their father was uh, Abraham according to the flesh, but they were not according to the promise. They were not true Israel. They were not true children of God, but they were false And as a matter of fact, they were not just false, but they were the synagogue of Satan. What scripture does this make you think of? John chapter 8, where he's dealing with these same Jews. Probably it's Jews either way, the same issue for, for sure. He's dealing with these Jews and they're saying, we're the children of Abraham. We are Jews. We are the people of God. We, 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 we. And he says, yes, you are children of Abraham. You are offspring of Abraham, but you are not true children of Abraham because your father is Satan. Let me read for that. Read that for you. John chapter 8, listen to what he says. And this is all to say that Jesus Christ doesn't just speak as if he knows what you're going through. He did go, what you're, go through what you're going through, and he went through what the, the church in Smyrna was going through as well. He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word. Now, I want you to watch this. I've got like three hours worth of sermons right here. I can only do what I can do. Check this out. I want you to think about the formula that we saw from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. The he who has an ear, let him hear, and they will be continually hearing but not understanding. And and this formula was really put forth in, in order to make a distinction between those who are true and those who are not by saying, we know that you are true if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, but the ones who do not have ears to hear and eyes to see See, are not true children of God. They are not true Israel. They are not the people of God, but they are false. They are fake, and they are, they, they are, they are uh, coming into this situation not having really been exposed to the truth in a way that transforms them from the inside out. So this, this, this idea of being able to hear and understand the word of God is a dividing line. It is a separating factor. And I asked you last week, do you hear the word of God? Does it have an impact on your life? And if it doesn't, we really need to question whether or not we've even come into the relationship with Jesus Christ that would give us ears to hear. So here again, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch how the Jews who are supposed to be Jews and who think that they are Jews, how he says you are not true Jews and the the attributes that would mark them out as false Jews and not true Jews. Watch this. So Jesus Jesus said to the Jews who had believed. Now they had a head knowledge. They believed uh, him with their head. If you abide in my word... If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He's making a distinction between false disciples and true disciples, false brethren and true brethren. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you are in Christ truly, 
and you abide in the word and you understand that he is the revelation of God, that he is God in the flesh, then you will accept that word. You will have ears to hear. You see it? And he says here, he says, and that truth will set you free. Now, they answered him, watch their response, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you will be, uh, how is it that you say you will become free? Number one, that's just a lie. Everybody knows that the Jews were enslaved. Everybody knows that Israel was enslaved. Everybody knows that they were enslaved in Egypt. They were sent into captivity by the Assyrians and by, by Babylon. They experienced lots of slavery. Now, at this moment, they may not have been enslaved like that, but Jesus Christ is going to clarify, and he's going to take this to the matters of the heart instead of matters of uh, the physical, fleshly realm. Listen to what he does. He says, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Okay, okay, the son remains forever. So therefore, in order to be a true child of God and endure eternity in relationship with God, you must be a son. So what is it to be a son? What is it to be a son? Is it to be from Jewish uh, descent? Is it to be ethnically Israel? Is it to be a, a, a follower of the law? What is it? What is it to be a son? What is it to be a true Jew, a true disciple? He goes on. He says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Why? Because he brings you into sonship. He brings you into being a true child of God, a true offspring of Abraham. So he is going to acknowledge that they are offspring of Abraham. They are. In one way, but there is another way to be an offspring of Abraham too. Let's just continue reading the scriptures. He says this. He says, I know that you are uh, offspring of Abraham. He concedes that. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You see the dividing line. They are offspring of Abraham in one way. What way? The flesh. Ethnically. They are. And many of you, uh, and let's, let's apply this to us now. Many of you have been in the church your entire life. You believe by association and by the flesh that you have inherited salvation and will not be separated from God. But if you individually have not been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be cut off in the day of redemption. Point blank period. Your faith must be yours to bring you into fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ, who is God. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You have ears, but you cannot hear. It's not made its way in. You have not understood. Well, let's go on. <clears throat> This is amazing connection here. He says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, going back to sonship, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, he just said that they were offspring of Abraham, but now he's making a distinction. You watch this carefully. Now he's making a distinction between the physical and the spiritual. He's making a distinction between that is of the flesh. And, and when I say physical and spiritual, I'm not meaning material, and non-material. That's not what I'm, I'm speaking of. But I'm speaking of fleshly distinctions and spiritual distinctions that are uh, beyond this, that are the greater understanding of this reality. He says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do, and you do what 
you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, do you see that switch? Do you see that switch? He said, you are offspring of Abraham, but you're not his children. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality because they knew what he was saying. They knew what he was saying, that their mama, you know, did a little something with somebody else. Sexual immorality. That their mama was uh, visiting the milkman, you know. I'm just saying, well, you know, there was something that was going on. They said, they, they said, hold on a second. My mama was faithful. I don't got no other ethnicity running through my blood. I'm a Jew. That's what they would say. <laughs> you are doing the works your father did. I just find it. I mean, come on. You know, Jesus was smirking. I mean, he basically was like, you know, your mama shagged the devil, you know. They say, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Why do they not understand what he says? What? They don't know the word. Use the revelation language. Why do they not understand what he's saying? They don't have ears to hear. You see the dividing line. I didn't intend to read all this much, but it just keeps getting better. If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Boom! You are of your father, the devil. What did Revelation say about these Jews who said they were Jews but, of, but were not? They were the synagogue of what? You see, Jesus actually did know their tribulation, didn't he? Isn't the word crazy good like that? I'm out of breath. You are of your father, the devil. Or as it was said on the water boy, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of a sin? I'll tell you the truth. Why do you, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Those who are of God are true Israel. Those who are of God are true children of Abraham. Those who are of God and have heard the word and been called out of the darkness into the light, those are the ones who are true, true Jews. Now, I don't have a big distinction. I know, man, he's going to talk like crazy after this because he has a different understanding of that, and I understand that. If you want to talk more about it, we'll talk more about it. I don't have time today. Let's get back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. 
Now, we see that he really does know what tribulation that they're going through. He has been there. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich in the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So we've seen those who have been marked out as saying one thing, but their heart doesn't bear it out. They do not believe. They do not have faith. They are false witnesses. They are false apostles. They are those who speak out of their own pride and their own arrogance and their own pharisaical judgments. Now, we can see that around in our day too. And that's why I ask you. That's why I ask you. If you're a true believer and you, uh, and you live and work, Nate, Nate, wake up, son. Sit up. I, I, I need you to understand. All right. We good? We good? Come on, it's the word of God. Sit up, get excited. All right, listen. We need to understand that when Jesus Christ speaks, that word comes inside of us and it makes a change. And that change is visible and apparent to everyone around. It's okay, babe. I know that he's all right. He's going to make it, okay? We can't go to sleep in the word of God, okay? Listen. All right, now, when the word of God goes forth, do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see the, the, what God is saying? And does it have a transforming agent in your life? Are you excited about the word? Does it wear itself on your sleeve? And do you suffer persecution because of it? Are you attacked? See, a true believer, in my understanding of everything that the word says, a true believer will live in such a way that he brings, she brings upon herself and upon himself attack from both sides, both liberals and conservatives, both the godless and the legalist. Why? Because they are an anchor point of the truth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ sets those who are steeped in sin and those who are steeped in legalism free. And when you stand for the truth of God, that is the balance of Jesus Christ, you will condemn by your actions, not by your words, but you will condemn the most right, self-righteous, pragmatic legalists. They will say, you can't do that. you got to do this, 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 and this. And you say, you're adding to the gospel. And Paul said, that's anathema, that you're accursed. Because there's only one gospel. And then the other person says, you think you're so high and mighty because you tithe and because you love Jesus and because you, you, don't, you try not to sin. You say, well, you got to live according to the word of God. And, and the Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And they're both going, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And you say, I love Jesus. He's the middle He's the man in the middle. Whew, that was exciting. He, you know, I did this study a long time ago on the centrality of Jesus Christ, and it was so amazing. I love to see the biblical themes running throughout Scripture, and Jesus Christ being in the middle and the center runs all the way throughout. He's, the, he's, the, he's in the center of, the, of heaven in the throne room and in the center of the, 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 the throne that's in the center. He's in the center of the garden. He's a tree of life. He's in the center in between the two thieves when he's crucified. He's always in the center. He's in the center. That's why our whole calendar is based off of him. And they're trying to change that now. But it's like B, C, A, D. What, who's right in the middle? Christ. How, how is, let me ask you this. How is, how is every other religion defined? By what it does with Jesus. What, 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 is, what, is, what is a cult? Listen, I don't know. What do they do with Jesus? 
What, 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 how, how, is this works based? Is it, what? I don't know what do they do with Jesus. You see, he's the, he's the central figure in all of reality. All of reality. I don't care if you're a believer or not. You see, this is God's world, and you've got to live in it. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Now, I'm going to come back. Hold on to, I know your tribulation, and we already talked a little bit about tribulation. I want to uh, uh, draw out a little bit the poverty. He says, I know your poverty, but you're rich. Nate, I'm proud of you, son. You just like own it now, right? I'm excited for you. I know, I know. I love you. I'm going to give you a big hug after this because my wife's going to whoop me. All right. We're having fun. We're just having fun, baby. No. I know. You. <laughs> hey, I'm in so much trouble. Okay. I know your tribulation and your poverty. Hold on to the poverty because he's going to say, I know it looks like you're impoverished. I know it looks like you're struggling. And you are. You are. He, this is actually going to uh, uh, bear itself out in, that, in, in re- the rest of Revelation too because uh, in, that, in that final day and in this day, when you... We see this in our, I don't have a lot of time, but have any of y'all seen the, the Bernie Sanders and the Vought thing? Have y'all seen that? Okay, maybe y'all don't watch the politics, but there is, there is uh, developing this Littman's test of who can participate in American politics, uh, not across the board, but it's, it's, trying to, it's trying to build momentum, right? And, and, and he made this statement, uh, which went, I'll paraphrase, which, which went something like this is that if you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, then you should not be allowed to be in American politics. You know what that essentially is saying? Is that Christians should not be allowed in, Christian, in American politics. You know what that's essentially saying? Is that we're going to condemn you because you love Jesus. You're going to be cut off from a, a portion of society because you love Jesus. Hey, it's coming. It's coming. There will, be, there will be a day when you will have to pay more at the I guarantee you, you'll have to pay more at the grocery store because you love Jesus. Now, the question is, now, if you don't believe me, just go read uh, chapter 6 of Revelation. Okay? There will be a day when the price of goods will skyrocket because of the imbalance of the justice system. Now, I'm not trying to get all crazy, you know, it's just coming. We see it. We see the writing on the wall, okay? We see the writing on the wall. The Christians are receiving persecution. They're being laughed at. They're being judged. They're being called stupid. Now, the question is, is that what will you do in the face of it? Read the churches and see where you are. What will you do in the face of it? If you, if you, if you go in, if before you go into the grocery store, you have to sign a card. This is just a, a little, uh, what am I trying to say? A hypothetical situation. Thank you. I was had a If you, hypothetically speaking, if you had to sign a car before you went in the grocery store saying, yes, I believe Jesus Christ is God and he is the only way to the Father. And they said, sign here. Look at your card. If they say that you are a Christian, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, which necessarily means that you believe they're going to hell. Then your groceries will be multiplied by 10. If your bill's $200, you've got to pay $10,000. Hey, I got that math right. $2,000. 200 times 10 is not $2,000? What? 
I meant 2,000. Come on. You say tomato, I say tomato. 200 times 10, 2,000. I'm a preacher, okay? I'm not a mathematician. I did mean to say 2,000. Okay. So if you had to sign the card and it was multiplied by 10, so a $200 bill would be 2,000, 300 would be 3,000, whatever. And all you had to do, all you had to do, check no. Ain't nobody going to know. Ain't nobody going to Ain't nobody around. There's no other Baptist. No other Pentecostal. No nobody else around. All unbelievers. Just check no. What you going to do? What you going to do, huh? Grow, she says grow her own. <laughs> Amen. This is what they were facing. They were experiencing hardship. They were experiencing uh, persecution. They were being cut off from the marketplaces because uh, idol worship in these days was a part of the culture. It was a part uh, of of being uh, uh, in a normal society, being part of society. And if you would not dance the dance and sing the song, then you would be cut off. And if you don't believe that's happening today, look at those who stand on pro-life and against murder of unborn babies. You will be cut off. Just go and stand with anybody who says that homosexuality is a sin and it's not okay with God. You will be cut off. Go and say anything that the media and the cultural has deemed necessarily right, you will be cut off. Now, we live in a little bubble here, kind of, which is good. In some ways, but it's also really bad in some ways because when it does hit here, I'm not sure you'll know what to do with it. Or I will know what to do with it. Are you true? And I would say that the life that we live now will only be heightened and, and expanded and, 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 and when it gets put under that heat, the falsehoods and the, and the dross, the impurities will come away. And I only ask, what will be left? It says here, it says uh, that, that you, uh, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. He says, he says this, and we're going to get to Daniel. And since Steve's here, I know we'll have to pick up some of this uh, next week. <laughs> that wasn't even supposed to be funny. I don't know what happened to <clears throat> He says, I know your poverty, but you're rich. Oh, this will be a good uh, place to kind of divide the, the letter to Smyrna because what I want you to do is, I, I hope many of you have already read the whole book of Daniel, okay? But, but if you haven't, that's okay. Go read it. But for next week, because we're going we're gonna to see they're going to enter into tribulation for 10 days, and you might be like, 10 days? Why 10 days? Go read the book of Daniel when Daniel is tested for 10 days, and the test is this. The test, because they were supposed to give Daniel and these other satraps and these other individuals, they're supposed to eat from the king's table, which is actually a sign of loyalty to a king who actually thought he was a deity, so that would have been idolatry, and to eat from the king's table, which is food that was sacrificed to idols, which in that day was absolutely forbidden for God's people to do. And so uh, Daniel, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to compromise it's amazing how this book is tied together. Uh, he didn't want to compromise, right? He wanted to stay faithful. He wanted to stay, but the person, the person who was over Daniel really liked Daniel. 
He was a, he was he 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 brought about favor with men, and I'll tell you, we'll learn from that story is that although you're persecuted by the world, you will have favor with many in the world because of your stance. You'll be persecuted, but you'll also gain favor, and that's scriptural too. And here's the here's the key. He said Daniel looked at him because the guy was afraid. He's like, look, he's like, I don't I don't want to make you uh, commit idolatry on your God. I know you're you're a good dude, you know, and. And I don't necessarily agree with you, but I, I have respect for that. And, but, man, I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble. Because if I, if, if I allow you not to do this thing, if I allow, then you're going to get like skinny and sickly looking, and you're going to waste away. And the king's going to know that I allowed you not to eat from the table. You're, if you don't, if you don't uh, enjoy, enjoy worldly pleasures, then you are going to be adversely affected, and you're going to suffer and you're going to be unhappy, you're going to be broken, you're going to be uh, uh, just, just, just falling apart. Sound familiar? And Daniel says, you don't understand. You don't understand. I don't need those things, for I have my God. And my God will sustain me. Though I, though I uh, refrain from these tempting tempting though i refrain from the tempting meat i mean you know big nice steak you know though i refrain from having a glass of wine with all of you great guys though i refrain from all of this good nutritious protein you won't be able to tell a difference and he goes through this test and not only can he not tell a difference but he explodes with plump juicy giftedness Guys, I'm just going to stop right there. We stopped at the Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. We're going to get into do not fear what you're about to suffer next week. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into the prison. I want you to go and I want you to read Daniel chapter 1. The, the testing starts in verse 12, I think. But just go and read. Just go read the whole book, but read chapter 1. And I want you to watch. You see, here's the, here's the truth, okay? Here's the, here's the wonderful truth. Is that Jesus Christ suffered like no other. Here's what all of this is, is banking on and pointing to. When Jesus Christ says, I am the first and the last, the one who died and who lives again. This is a repeat, actually, of Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one that died, and behold, I live again. And what he's saying is, is that you see, on the outside, it looks as if you uh, are uh, uh, giving up a lot for Jesus. And, and I get this all the time. You know, when I witness to someone or when I evangelize, they say, yeah, that sounds good, but I'm going to lose. And they start naming. I'm going to lose all of these things, all of these people, all these friends. My dad hates religion, so he's going to abandon me and... And all these things. And, and, and what Christ here through John is saying is that, that, that I know, I, I know. He's not dismissing that reality. He says, I see. I know. Actually, he says, I know your poverty. I know your poverty. He's not dismissing it. He's, he's acknowledging the poverty. poverty. When, when, when Christ was here, this is why I can't stomach the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Because they're like, if Jesus really loves you and, and you're one of God's and you're rich physically... But, but they serve a guy who never got married. He didn't even have a, a pillow to lay his head on. He had to go fishing to pay his taxes. 
They serve a, a, a guy who was broke, busted, and disgusted. Though he was rich beyond imagination. Why? Because we have here no lasting city. But he said, I am not of this world. And that of, well, that's a genitive of source, you see. And what he says is, is that I am not sustained. I do not, I do not derive my power, my identity, my uh, joy, my sustenance. I do not derive my, my longings and my pleasures. I do not get any of that from here. But I get it all from my Father above. For every good gift comes down from above. And he's saying, I know, I know here you're impoverished. I know here you have to give up some things. Are you giving up things? We might even miss that implication. Are you just partaking of everything that the world partakes of because everybody else is doing it? We could go on and on about that. You know whether you are or not. What have you given up for Christ? Looks a whole bunch of different ways. What have you given up for Christ? How has it affected you? He says, I know that, I know that you, your poverty, I know it. I felt it. I've been there. But you are rich. Why did he say you are rich? As we all stand to our feet, I want to ask you the question. Why did he say, but you are rich? You see... Jesus Christ is a supreme example, and he is the greater of this lesser. This type is pointing to him. You see, Jesus Christ was the one that was on the cross, and, and, and he was the one that poured it all out. And he even said in the gospel, he said, what, what should I do? Uh, ask Father, uh, relieve me from this moment, uh, uh, deliver me from this moment. He said, no, for this is, I, for what I, for this is why I have come. To drink the cup of wrath all the way down. We not only go through pain and suffering and make it through. We embrace our trial. You'd have to be crazy to do that. We, we, we embrace it. We, we, we embrace it. We pull it close to us. And we say, for this, for this reason I have been put here. Because my God makes no mistakes. He's the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And if it's here, if it's in my hands, if it's in my lap, and if it, if it hurts, I will pull it closer so that it, if, it, so it will hurt more. Jesus Jesus is going to wash Peter's feet and this caused some 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 tension some suffering in him you say suffering he's going to wash his feet yeah because of his pride and, and Jesus says if I don't wash your feet you don't get to be a part he says wash all of me if we can understand that our suffering is with purpose like Christ you see he went to the cross and he suffered the most horrific death. They even created a word for it. It's called excruciating, which means from the cross. And he experienced the wrath of God and he, he drank it all down. Every last drop he drank it. And, he, and I can see him shaking the cup, wanting the last drop. Though 
tears was flowing down his face and though he sweat great drops of blood onto the ground he said not my will but yours be done do you live for you or do you live for him you say let me escape this moment because I don't like it or you say bring the pain if it will bring you glory that's a crazy way of thinking and only only the people of the way only the people of the way can think that way why because they are true children of God they are born by the power of the Holy Spirit and they are not like their father or they are not like the father in the world they are not like their previous father of the flesh but they now have a new father and a new nature they are born of God and they do the things that God does they do the things that Christ does not on their own strength or their own ability but by the power of the Holy Spirit that now dwells inside of them and I only ask I only ask do you have the Spirit? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? We'll pick back up next week, midway through the letter to, to Smyrna. Go and read Daniel chapter 1. I plead with you today is that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you've got to come and, and get to know Him. You've got to hear. I pray that you have ears to hear and eyes to see that the Lord is good. Come and see. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. He won't make it peaches and cream, but He'll make it worth it. He won't make it easy on this side necessarily, but He will make it easy to bear it. And when you come out on the other side, you will be able to say with Paul, this is nothing. This suffering, this, this brief suffering was, was nothing compared to the riches of knowing him. Do you know him? Come, get on your face before God. I need the Lord. Because to be quite honest with you, I preached today things that are pretty cool, but I often fall short of them. And I need the Lord Jesus Christ to carry me through that fire. I need him. You know, when Daniel come out of that fire, what was one of the coolest things? He didn't even smell like smoke. Didn't even smell like smoke. Come. Come to Jesus.